Hello, and thanks again for tuning in. You're listening to Brain Droppings, Season 1, Episode 9, Avengers Endgame Review, with spoilers. So if you are listening to this and you do not want the plot of the movie, events of the movie, or anything to do with the movie revealed, please stop listening now and come back after you've seen the movie, or... If you happen to be somebody like myself who was out on a Thursday night to catch one of the first screenings and you want to know what I thought about the movie, please continue to listen on. Also, if you have no interest in seeing anything in the MCU, specifically Endgame, um, I just ask that you give it a shot, have a listen, see what my thoughts are, and it might change your overall perspective. So without any further ado, I give you... Season 1, Episode 9, Avengers Endgame Review. And I don't know exactly where to start other than to... What an amazing movie. What a great way to end, well, almost end, Phase 3 of the MCU. It was 22 movies in the making. Um, It was by far uh, my favorite Marvel movie to date. And that's not to say that, you know, that it's not to say that it was the best movie of them all. But what I will say, it was the movie that tied all of the loose ends together. It's the movie that put it all into place so that you would understand, you know, what you just saw, what the culmination of this 12-year or 11-year 22 film journey was. Um, you know, they went into production in 2007. Um, Kevin Fine, the Russo brothers, They've just brought you amazing, amazing films, you know, all the way back to the first Iron Man um, in 2008 to Iron Man 2 in 2010, Thor in 11, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger in 2011 also came out. Then Universal Pictures um, set the, the Incredible Hulk in 2008. It was Tonight's movie, the movie I just sat through three hours and two minutes worth of movie magic, cinema magic, was, for me, the holy trinity. It brought all of those nuances and aspects from some of the movies and tied them all together in a, in a really creative and inspiring way um, to discuss. Now, that's not to say that the movie was without negative takeaways. I had a couple of them. Um, but they far, the good far outweighed the bad in this one, people. I implore you um, that if you haven't seen it, go see it. If you've seen it once, clear three hours out of your schedule in the next couple of weeks and go see it again. Um, I fully intend to. So where do we start? Um, let's start right off the top. You know, right after the rolling credits scene, um, we we kind of come right into it, and we were misled through our trailers that we saw in the months and weeks that led into Endgame. Um, it looked as though there was a scene 
where the pager was calling out for Captain Marvel to come and help. And when it stopped, it seemed like she just appeared looking for um, Nick Fury. Well, it should be mentioned that that scene wasn't really put together the way we saw it in the trailers. In fact, uh, Captain Marvel, here's your first spoiler, Captain Marvel is the reason Tony Stark and Nebula made it back to Earth when all hope was lost. This is how we start the movie. Tony floating away in space, half the population decimated, and all of a sudden, a bright light, and that bright light was Captain Marvel coming to save the day. She carries the the ship all the way back to the Avengers headquarters, and that's how we're introduced to Captain Marvel. And it was kind of um, an interesting introduction, but one that, that really kind of made her an immediate team member, definitely one of the strongest. Um, also in that, that opening 10 minutes, we find out that Thor <laughs> looks like the big Lebowski. He's a big dude. He's got a belly going. He's a big beer drinker. Um, he's lost his edge. He's lost his mojo. And he's suffering some severe PTSD from um, allowing the snap to transpire. And they decide at that moment to just team up, go find Thanos, and go kill him. And much to my surprise, that's exactly what they did in the first 20 minutes of the movie. In the first 20 minutes of the movie, we're introduced to Captain Marvel. Tony Stark is saved. They immediately rally together, so to speak, as a team, and zoom right off off to the garden, as uh, Nebula put it, where she knew where Thanos would be. Uh, Captain Marvel does a quick sweep of the planet, comes back with no army, no defenses, no ship, no, no artillery, nothing, just him. So they go, they confront, they battle. It's a very short battle that really lasts all of maybe two minutes and it's culminated with um, Thanos making some sort of smart ass remark and Thor decapitating him it's so interesting that that's how they started this movie um, and from there it was two hour and 40 minutes of you know loose ends being tied up um, Scott Lang coming back as Ant-Man and, you know, providing a ray of hope in regards to, you know, time travel, which we all, you know, anybody that's read reviews of this movie coming in, that was the going theme. We thought that this was going to be a, a time travel themed movie. And, and it absolutely turned out to be just that. Um, I thought they did a really good job with um, addressing the issue that uh, Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo, had with the Hulk in Infinity War, where the Hulk wouldn't come out. And Mark addresses it really quick because you have a complete hybrid Hulk. He has the mannerisms, mentality, and quasi-facial features of Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner. But more importantly, it's the body of the Hulk. And he wears clothes. And he's kind of like a big deal from like a influencer type of Instagram sort of way. It was, it was interesting to see. And I'm not really a fan of the Bruce Banner, Incredible Hulk, 
quasi mixed character. It doesn't, it didn't play well for me. I thought it, they did, they took some, some cute jokes, some quick one-liners from it. Um, and you know, it should be noted. He still is the Hulk. He still has the power of the Hulk, but he has the, the ability to stay in that state now and not transform back down. Um, I thought it was, it was done pretty masterfully. If I sound a little bit slow tonight, it's because I'm still processing what I just saw. I went to the seven o'clock Eastern time showing and it's about a half hour from my house. So, you know, I got home about quarter of 11 and immediately said, you know what, I want to make sure I do this fresh and maybe I should have taken some time to think about it, but I'm just giving it to you off the top of my head as I, as I see it come. Um, Time travel is absolutely involved. Um, unfortunately, it is a limited time travel because they only have so much of Hank Pym's particles to disperse throughout the Avengers team. Um, and so we're introduced into time jumping, and that's how they're going to collect the Infinity Stones and undo the snap, you know, collect them before Thanos does. And that leads them on quite a journey. I mean, we get some cutscenes of, you know, the team trying to rally back Thor from Asgard on earth, which is just this Island that he's kind of inhabiting and drinking his face off. We're reintroduced to Valkyrie at that moment. Um, so we're, we're aware she was not lost in the snap. Um, they did a good job. Tony Stark's um, and Pepper Potts's baby was born because they have to flash forward Five years, the five-year gap from the opening cutscene of killing Thanos to coming back to the movie. And it's five years in the future. So you have the bloated Thor. You have the um, ever-changing hairstyle and color um, Black Widow, played by Scarlett Johansson. And we're introduced five years into the future. And... At this point, they're basically fighting high-level crime on Earth as a scattered unit. Um, we also get a cut scene in the first half hour of Hawkeye switching into Ronan um, and why. And, you know, it was what every fan expected. It was because of the snap. In his case, he lost his daughter, two sons, and wife to the snap. And that's what turned him into the dark-sided um, character Ronan. Fortunately, he shares a special bond with Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson's character. She tracks him down um, and convinces him to make the move back towards the Avengers. And they have the suits designed for the time travel. They jump forward. They go into, you know, they're able to figure out by using when the stones were at certain points in history, um, how they could gather them. So they break themselves into three teams because three of the stones are in New York. Uh, one of the stones is on a planet called Malkai. And the other one is the soul stone, which we all know is um, in Nevermore. So when they get, you know, they all split up. Uh, the, New the New York scene is first. And that ties the elements from Age of Ultron in. It ties um, 
elements from the attack on New York. It, it really kind of ties mostly the attack on New York, um, the first Avengers movie, and ties elements back in towards that, which was really well done. There's a couple of moments of levity where um, they have an opportunity to bump into former selves um, and knowing now what they know, there's a really cool, if you're a Marvel fan, there's a really cool scene in which if you remember the Tesseract and the staff from the Battle of New York when it's taken from Loki, if you remember that scene, you understand how the staff gets into the hands of Hydra when most of, well, everybody believed that they were the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents taking it. Well, knowing what they know now, going back to the past, Captain America's in the elevator trying to take the, the staff, and they're saying, no, we're going to take it. He says, no, you know, I got clearance from the secretary. They said, so they said, well, we'll call the secretary. And he says, that's not necessary. And he leans down to the guy, and he whispers in his ear, Heil Hydra. Second he said that, he, that was the code word. They let him walk right out. But, you know, in true Marvel fashion, they have to put a twist in. A um, couple of things go awry. They lose the Tesseract. It gets um, basically booted to another time. And the question is, how do they figure this out? Well, fortunately for them, on the team was Ant-Man, Captain America, and Iron Man. And they go back. Um, with their one last round trip, they go back to 1970. And it's a harken back to Tony Stark's <clears throat> father's work on the army base. And he knows it's there. So they go and um, it is a pretty interesting sequence. But they end up, you know, as in all Marvel movies, all the different sequences end up with the Avengers having all of the infinity stones. And then while on the second storyline, the, the planet Mar Marvel or something like that, or uh, I, I, I can't remember the name of it, but needless to say um, they're on this planet. Well, it happens to be a planet in which Thanos nine years in the past is also going to be there that at that moment. And, there's a glitch in a head pain from Nebula on his ship, her version in that timeline. It's so hard to explain this movie. I never thought it was going to be this difficult. I'm kind of going through it. I'm going, I'm, am I jumping times? But no, I'm not. Um, Nebula has some head pain. They end up pulling her, her data and they realize that there's two Nebulas, that there's been a time jump. And Thanos is looking at this as a shortcut to get all the, the stones. Um, well in advance and, and act out his plan. Fortunately, because we're nine years in the in the past in this timeline, uh, we get to see Gamora, which was nice because you thought that with her sacrificing herself for the Soul Stone, that that would be the last we would have seen of Gamora. But nope, she was present and still had a conscience, which kind of led into her origin story of going with the Gardens of the Galaxy. Um, you know, there was a crack in her brainwashing from Thanos um, at that moment. So the the movie played out extremely well. I went to a, a theater that's a little bit older, uh, about a half hour from my house. And 
It was a raucous crowd. I got there about an hour ahead of schedule because I wanted to have choice seating. And all the upper level seats were already taken. It was, you know, I was down in that first row that separates the uh, the, the lower level to the, the rising level. I was in that first row, and that was probably the best opportunity I was going to have. Straight on, which was nice. No neck cranking. Um, but when I got there, as every person entered the theater, the group in the upper level was clapping and hooting and hollering for them. You know, so it was kind of like a really neat atmosphere. There was... Um, one of the theater workers came out and led everybody singing a karaoke version of Bohemian Rhapsody. And then we are the champions. And then the preview started and the movie got going on. There were multiple times in the movie with the reintroduction of characters that were lost, um, like Dr. Strange, Black Panther. When they came back on screen, the place erupted. Uh, Scarlet Witch, big eruption of applause for her. Um, there were certain parts in the movie. There's a specific scene where Pepper Potts actually arrives as rescue and place lit up like a candle when that happened. Um, it was a really cool atmosphere to watch a movie. I was able to go with the, the fabulous Kate and our four kids. So there were six of us in total. Uh, <clears throat> I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, the storytelling was amazing. I, I'm kind of going to get away from, you know, breaking it down scene by scene at this point, because the more I think about it, I'm still processing it. So to try to come off and, and give it to you, you know, word for word or scene by scene, I don't think is very fair in regards to how um, you'll watch it. You know, I don't want, I don't want to change the perception of the way you watch it. Some of the things in the movie were just too good to keep secret. Um, there's a throwback to the Dr. Strange movie with the enlightened one. Um, the Supreme Sorcerer. She's back, Tillis Winson. Um, There's a great scene between her, Banner, and the Hulk. It's a must-see. Um, this movie will easily be the highest-grossing MCU movie ever. Um, it'll eclipse all the others um, by a large margin in my my personal thought. I mean, I'm going to see it probably two or three times, so that's Nine, six to nine hours out of my life, I'm not going to get back. But you know what? They're well used. Um, I don't know that you would be better served seeing this movie in 3D or, or D-Box. Um, I think standard's fine, you know, because it's more about the story that's being told and less about the special effects. You know, and that's, that's one of the beauties that they've always seemed throughout the, the, the 22 films in over 11 years, the, the thing that they've really worked on is, although the special effects are amazing, the stories that they're telling is what's really grabbing their, their watching, you know, their, the folks that go and watch the movies and love these movies. Um, I'm an unabashed admitter that I've never really gotten into comic books. I don't know the comic book history of these characters dating back decades. I don't, I honestly, I don't. I was introduced to them um, when they, you know, in 2008, when they started coming out, I started watching them. I had young kids, you know, it was worth watching and then determining whether or not they were kid appropriate. And they really weren't when the kids were younger, but doesn't mean I wasn't watching them. It was, it was interesting. It was, it was fun to um, follow those stories along and then watch the Russo brothers uh, 
tie it all together in this this I believe to be the last movie in phase three, even though Spider-Man Far From Home, which comes out in July, um, is truly the end of phase three. Uh, I don't know. Seeing Tom Holland's character come back in Endgame was impressive. The mastery he has with the suit at this point is unparalleled. It was that was a fun Riyadh. I thought they could have done a little bit more with the reintroduction of the Wakanda crew uh, led by Black Panther. And let's see, who else? I think they could have done a little bit more with Bucky, Winter Soldier. Um, there were some twists and turns in this movie, things you didn't see coming. Captain Marvel, it should be noted, maybe has 11 minutes of screen time in this entire movie. And those 11 minutes of those 11 minutes, eight of those 11 are the final scenes. She was not a part of this. This was more the Avengers undoing the things that happened before the introduction to Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was there because Nick Fury knew that this was more than what the Avengers could handle. And specifically more than the depleted Avengers could handle. So the call went out for her and her input in the movie, at least in the early stages of the movie was really good. I mean, without her, they don't find Thanos um, and defeat him in retirement. Um, And without her, they don't defeat Thanos at the end of the movie. You know, without her, that doesn't happen. Um, There were a couple of gratuitous scenes that were just, out of place, disjointed, and put in there for whatever reason, whether it's social justice, whether it's a movement. But there's a specific scene where um, Tom Holland is talking to Captain Marvel, and they've got to get from where they are to this place across the battlefield. And he says, how are you going to get there? And then it's, well, she's got help. And behind her is Pepper Potts, Valkyrie, um, both of the the Wakanda um, sisters, uh, uh, well, actually the sister and the the lead warrior um, Scarlet Witch was there. Um, every female character, even the Wasp, every female character from the MCU was present behind her, and then they you know they trudge towards where their end goal is to get to, but it was. Um, Outside of that, and the commercialization or the, the I don't know what to put it as, the popularity of the Banner Hulk mix, I just thought, you know, could have done without both of those. And I, and I don't think it would have taken away from the movie. I don't think they added to the movie, you know. Um, I think you could have explained the Banner Hulk thing a little bit less comedically and a little more matter-of-factly. And I think they could have stayed away from, you know, bringing the, the gender forward girl power thing into Endgame. It just wasn't needed. It, it Everybody that was involved um, in the movie, whether it be from a moral compass perspective, a battle perspective, a wisdom perspective, everybody in the movie, in their specific skill sets, we're fine working as a team. I don't think you needed to break out a gender 
sect and, and then it you know, it almost felt like explo- exploited it a little bit. Um, but again, those are two small takeaways from a movie that was three hours, two minutes in runtime. There is no cutscene at the end. I will drop you that one. There is no cutscene. There is an audio clip that sounds like metal being beaded against metal. And I don't know what exactly that is. Um, I don't know if that ties into Far From Home and that's the sound of... Um, something, you know, I have no idea. Um, I don't know if it's the sound of Stark Industries, R&D or whatever. I mean, it's really left up to interpretation. You know, the Russo brothers, they won't have much to say about it. They'll kind of keep their, their trap shut. I just yawned on my own podcast. I'm tired folks. It's late. Um, but I wanted to get this out. I wanted to talk a little bit about it. I do need to, um, you know, do a mid show break here and just kind of talk about why episode eight is no longer available. Um, I had some technical difficulties with my mic during the last podcast and for reasons I can't explain, it only taped the opening uh, jingle and that was it. One minute and three seconds. I don't know what happened. I talked for an entire hour. Um, that was my guilty, guilty TV pleasures and hobbies podcast. So I'm hoping that sometime over the weekend I'll re-record that one, um, higher energy level than I have tonight, and put that one back out so you can listen to that because that one's, you know, that one kind of covered a lot of different topics and was a little more lighthearted. This one's a little bit more of like a newsworthy type of review report on the movie I just watched that I really even haven't haven't had that much time to digest on my own, but wanted to give you a fresh hot take, you know, right off the bat. I will tell you, at the very end of the movie, there is a, um, as best I can analogize it, would be that it, there's like a Forrest Gump uh, at Jenny's grave type moment where they have to, in order to protect the timeline and protect negative alternate realities, the stones after the battle must be replaced back to the timelines before they took them. So that way they don't disrupt the timelines and, and distort the futures or the alternate uh, realities that can branch out from that. Um, so Steve Rogers, Captain America, in the chainmail suit, which looks bomb on him, um, had the opportunity to, you know, he volunteered to go back and do it. And he jumps time. He's going to be there for a year jumping around to different spots within the timeline and replacing the stones, but it's only going to seem like five seconds um, for them. So with that, he jumps time. They count down five, four, three, two, one, flick the switch and nothing. And you have Hawkeye and, um, and you know what? I I actually, I want to look this up while I, I vamped for a second and, and try to figure out which exact character um, this was because this was a big moment at the end of the movie uh, characters from Marvel movies um, this this particular last scene was you know Captain America um, Winter Soldier and let me just scan through here 
Marvel Avenger. Sorry, I'm just looking this up because I want to be able to to speak intelligently about who the individual character was that I was that was also there. Like I I know the actor, I just wasn't sure who he was. And as I scroll through, ah, it's going to be a difficult search tonight, which sucks because if I had it at my fingertips, I'd be able to talk about it. Um, if I went to, if I, let me just do this. Characters from Marvel Avengers Infinity War. Because I know he was in Infinity War. So let's see. Yeah, these are all of our characters. Just trying to find the right one here, folks. And then I'm jumping right back onto that with you. Um of course, can't find what I'm looking for, but that's okay. Uh, Captain America doesn't come back from the time jump. Um, they hit the, the time jump, and he doesn't come back. And you sit there and you think to yourself, oh, this isn't good. Like, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen? Um, so they count back down from five, nothing. And then Winter Soldier, um, Bucky, looks back and is says hey look over here and it's sam and i'm trying to figure out who sam what sam's character or who sam's character is um and let's see captain america nomad yeah 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 natasha strange it's not war machine oh we're getting closer peeps falcon not Hawkeye, Falcon. So Bucky says to Falcon, hey, look over there. And you got Banner, you know, playing with the the time machine board, trying to bring him back. And they both turn away from him and they look out and there's a guy sitting on a bench, an elderly guy. So Bucky kind of nods to Falcon, Sam, to go over and check it out. He goes over, comes around and sure enough, it's Steve Rogers, Captain America, probably 85 years old. And they share some heartwarming dialogue back and forth. Um, basically, you know, he went back in time, he put the stones back, and then he decided he wanted to have the life that was stolen from him. And, you know, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers is a... Um, Oh, geez. What's the best way to put it? He is a a deep character. He's a character that has always wanted um, to just have the life that he wasn't given. You know, he was a World War II era U.S. Army soldier. He was given enhanced physical and mental capabilities with a super soldier serum developed by the military and who later froze in, in ice for 70 years. So, then he comes back and he's fighting all these crazy things. And, and there was just, you know, you feel for him, you know, you feel for who he is. Um, and to see it all kind of come full circle, the fact that he took the time, he, he gave up the, the role of being Captain America to, to enjoy his life. Now that Thanos was gone, the greatest threat to the, to the planet, to the universe was defeated. Steve took some time for himself. So, it was nice. There was some good dialogue back and forth. Um, 
So in that, Sam or Falcon asks him, um, you know, who did you, uh, you know, he notices he has a wedding ring and he says, I, I understand there's a girl. Can I ask who it is? And Cap says, no, you can't. I'm going to keep that to myself. Well, we all know it was Peggy Carter. Um, he's carried a picture of Peggy Carter in a locket or a pocket watch since the introduction of the character. Um, we all know the story behind who Peggy Carter is and um, what she she did for um, Captain America. So long story short, he went back and lived his life with her. It's the one thing he's always longed for that he was denied um, through being frozen on ice. So that was a really touching moment. It was a tear-jerking moment. There were a couple of them. There's a, a moment in the final battle against Thanos where as he's being pummeled, he, he reaches out and Thor's hammer comes to Captain America. And Thor looks over and says, I knew it! I knew it! The place erupted in applause. It was, it was a really cool part of the movie. Um, I honestly think that whether you're a fan of the Marvel Cinema Universe, whether you've sat through all 22 films or not, um, I don't think it takes away from the quality of the movie that you got tonight um, when you went. It was was a great cinematic movie. I I purposely took the Russo brothers' advice and, and locked down my social media accounts from any type of leaks or anything ahead of it. I wanted to experience this movie as I've experienced all Marvel movies with nothing more than the previews and trailers I've seen on TV and online. I've read theories leading up to it, but I didn't want to walk into this knowing how this was going to end. I wanted to go in there bright eyed and just let the story come to me. And tonight that's exactly what I got. I got a story that you know had a definitive beginning, middle, and end. Um, I thought it, I thought it nicely tied the 22 movies together and made for an amazing night out. You know, not only are you out there with your wife and your kids, and you know that in itself can be a great night, but then throw on top of it a great movie, a great audience behind us that were just enjoying it along with us. It was. It was a good movie. It was a great movie. Um, I, like I said, I will see it multiple times. This movie will outgross any of the Marvel Cinema Universe movies uh, to date. And I'll make the bold prediction and say that it out, it'll out-revenue um, Spider-Man Far From Home this summer. It, even though that's a Marvel movie, it's a guaranteed multiple hundred million dollar uh, profit movie, at the end of the day this movie will drag more people into it like infinity war prior to it in the, in the phase of movies uh, or the, the prequel to this sequel. Um, it'll outgross that hands down. It'll outgross uh, Captain Marvel, which I also enjoyed. Um, I thought Brie Larson did a phenomenal job in the character's role. And I think that the, the hoopla about her wearing makeup um, this week was unfair. I mean, it wasn't something I even picked up on when I was watching the movie. I was just, I, 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 when I watch these movies, I transform myself into buying into the fantasy. 
you know, at the end of the day, these are fantasy movies. They're not really sci-fi. They're not really dramas. They have elements of both. But at the end of the day, these are fantasy movies. These, you know, these require a suspension of belief, a suspension of education if you're a physicist. Um, but if you can do that, if you can stop being a hypercritical person for a three-hour span of your life and just enjoy the movie that's in front of you, I'll, I, I will tell you, I think they probably could have shaved 15 minutes off of this movie overall. A 245-250 movie. Um, I don't feel like it was... 15 minutes I'm never going to get back. You know, there were a couple of, of scenes that I thought were just a little much. Um, I'll drop my last spoiler, and that will be to tell you that at the end of this movie, the Avengers that you will never see again in their life-like form, unless it's another throwback time warp movie, will be uh, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, character uh her care arc is over um and about as over as over gets uh tony stark perishes in this movie so iron man is no longer um that was a big bomb drop and you thought it was going to happen in the early part of the movie and then maybe they build something off of that but by by being saved by captain marvel that that got negated um Let's see, who else? I think that was it. Um, you're, you know, you're not going to get Gamora back. You're not getting Vision back. Um, it, I, I don't know. I'm thinking if, we, if any others were lost and they, they weren't. They all came back, guys. They, they do figure it out. They do bring back the pre-snap setup. So at the end... Hawkeye's family's back, which is great. Um, the world is restored because the desolate world that they, they showed, what it would look like if half the population... Would, oh, excuse me. I'm yawning all over the place. Um, the, the view of the world with half the population missing was not a pretty sight. So seeing it all kind of come back, seeing you know Wasp and Hank Pym and everybody come back to the, the movie at the end was phenomenal. Uh, I think they did a really, really good job. Um, I think they really tied in the Supreme Sorcerer and Dr. Strange's character and character arcs back nicely. Um, I would have liked a little more sarcastic banter between Tony Stark and Dr. Strange because I think that was one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest moments uh, in Infinity War, were the two of them going back and forth early in the movie. I thought that was great. Um, I would have liked a little bit more of that, but that's, again, how, how long can you make these movies? You know, you have to try to get everybody in there. It was nice to see Groot back. Um, I am Groot. It was, nice to, <laughs> it was nice to see the whole Guardians of the Galaxy uh, clan come back, including Star-Lord, who had a nice exchange with Thor. Um, Rocket Raccoon was, you know, again, Bradley Cooper does a phenomenal job with that character. I thought they, they toned him, toned him down a little bit, but still made him extremely relevant, uh, which was nice. There was no Flurkin sighting in Endgame. 
Uh, Captain Marvel was a solo act. She did not have her flirkin, or for those that don't understand what a flirkin is, it would be her cat. Um, the cat does not make, Goose does not make an appearance in this. So I don't know what that means, um, but I can tell you that uh, you will walk away from this movie thinking that the Russo brothers wrote you the nicest Marvel Cinema Universe love letter that ties up 22 movies over 11 years better than just about any possible way you could do it. There's always going to be some Monday morning quarterback who's going to talk about, you know, plot holes or, um, you know, storylines not jiving or having negative takeaways that outweigh their positive takeaways of the movie. And I, I strongly suggest that you watch the movie for yourself, form your own opinions. Um, my opinion is one of a fan. You know, I've seen 22 movies over the course of the last 12 years, 11 years, and I loved them. Absolutely loved almost all of them. Um, there are a few that were just like meh, but at the end of the day, um, I'm a fan. You know, I like the movies. I love, I'm going to be, I'm a little bummed now that I don't know exactly how it continues. Um, I will tell you another spoiler is that at the end of the movie, when Steve Rogers comes back as the elderly person and he's talking to Sam uh, Falcon, he gives Sam his shield. So is that an indicator that um, Falcon will turn into Captain America now? That's a, it, that, was, that was one that left me like scratching my head a little bit. Um, but you never know, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know if that follows the character's arcs, uh, from the comic books, because again, like I mentioned earlier, I don't, um, I don't read them. I don't read comic books. I wish I did. They just, it never grabbed me. I was, I was more outdoorsy than indoorsy. And to be honest with you, never a really strong reader. So I'm interested um, as to whether or not he'll become Captain America or if he did in the comics. Um, so I'm not 100% sure would relinquish the man how we become. Oh, okay. So on July 16th of 2014, Marvel Comics announced that Sam Wilson would relinquish the mantle of Falcon and would become the new Captain America, succeeding Steve Rogers in the role. So it did happen in the comic books, and I didn't, I obviously didn't know that. So the last five minutes of me babbling for anybody who's a comic book uh, hero is probably sitting there going, I've been saying this for five minutes into my headset listening to you. Yes, Falcon becomes Captain America. Well, that must have been an ode to the Marvel comics because, as you saw, um, or as I said, Sam takes the mantle at the end of the movie. Um, so that should be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what role Stark Industries plays in Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Because at least from the trailers, we see Happy, um, who made an appearance in Endgame. And we see, we see the indication that Stark Industries continued on and looks to be thriving, uh, given the scenery of the trailer. So it'll be interesting to see if Pepper has kind of taken the mantle and or if um, Hulk Banner or Banner Hulk or I'm not even sure what to call that that character. I was a little it's a little weirded out by him, to be honest with you. But 
it'll be interesting to see if he's the scientist behind because we now don't have Tony anymore. And, you know, I think it was a good time for Robert Downey Jr. to step away from that character. It's, you know, it's been a hell of a run for him. Um, one thing it takes, you got to remember, it takes 18 months, a year to 18 months to film and edit um, a movie, sometimes even two years. These guys age, you know, they age and they you can't really continue on. I mean, I guess in the, the case of War Machine, Iron Patriot and um, Iron Man, I guess because their suits are so armored that they could, I guess, remain relevant. But I think it was time. I mean, Don Cheadle's uh, War Machine slash Iron Patriot is a character that I think you'll see continue on for a while. Um, maybe even, I don't know. I don't know how his character continues on other than, you know, remaining war machine, but I don't know how he would tie into Stark industries. I don't think he's really much of a scientific brain as much as he was a tremendous leader and soldier. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, it was nice to see there was a very touching moment between Scarlet Witch and Ronan slash Hawkeye. That was a really cool moment. They um, they were talking about loss and how Thanos took everything that meant anything to them. And the viciousness and strength that Scarlet Witch shows in Endgame is amazing. Obviously her powers are developed. She's controlling them far better and she's fueled by uh, despair, anger, hatred, and loss. And those are very powerful emotions. And as we all seen through the movies, her power is dictated by her emotion. So seeing the strength of that character was pretty impressive. Um, I'll be interested to see, what they do in phase four, what that'll look like. I know we're going to have quite a break here uh, between the end of Endgame, or actually even from the end of Spider-Man Far From Home to the next big Marvel movie. Um, I don't even know what's, when they're slated. I'm going to look that up right now while I talk, but Marvel movies slated for release. Let's see. Uh, let's see, I have to go down, upcoming. I love when the internet works at the speed of a fart. It makes it so awesome for me. And, or when a site takes you somewhere, but then doesn't take you where you wanted to go. All right, so let's see, this is thumbnails. I'm not really in the mood for thumbs. So I'm not sure how far Captain Marvel, oh, Inhumans. In November, no, no, no take that back this is old i don't know why i get these lists that just seem like they're so dated it's like can you please when someone searches something on google can you give me an updated list um here we go marvel marvel movie release schedule and i'm getting this from denofgeek.com um because let's be honest i'm a geek all right so end game then we have spider-man far from home uh, following that, let's see, looks like after that will be Morbius, 
in July of 2020, starring Jared Leto and Matt Smith. Uh, it's not technically an MCU movie, but thanks to all the weirdness surrounding the Marvel Sony Spidey sharing agreement, not to mention the lack of other hard info on those release dates, they're look they're including it here anyways. So technically, maybe anyways. Okay, so beyond that, um, there's an untitled movie for May 1st, 2020, and that's probably Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, Venom 2. And then what I find interesting is they're showing a November 2020 Black Widow standalone movie. And I find that hard to believe unless they're doing one that takes Natasha Romanoff from pre-Avengers time frame. Um, because as I mentioned in this, she perishes in this movie and she perishes in a, you're never coming back type of way. She's on, um, Voldemort and searching for the soul stone with Hawkeye Ronan. And as we've learned from infinity war, the big emotional scene where, uh, Thanos wants the soul stone and he has Gamora with him. He, they're told that the only way that you can get the soul stone is basically trading a soul for a soul. And in infinity war, Thanos apologizes, but doesn't hesitate and throws Gamora off the the cliff and then receives the soul stone. Well, in this particular battle, Natasha and Hawkeye are fighting to see who can die um, to try to be the first over the cliff, so to speak. And there's a great fight sequence that transpires, but at the end, it's Natasha, it's Black Widow who um, falls and perishes, and it's Hawkeye and or Ronan. Again, I call them both because he, he's both characters in this movie. He's Ronan in the early part, and he's Hawkeye at the end. Um, but he wakes up with the Soul Stone in his hand, so we know that Black Widow sacrificed in order for him to get the stone. And I wish they had spent a little bit more time on that, and explain that timeline out a little bit better. But again, I'm nitpicking here. Overall, great movie. Um, phenomenal cast, phenomenal direction, phenomenal writing. Um, it really is a good one. So I, I queried the kids, too, because, you know, I'm I'm not afraid to tell people. I'm in my mid-40s. Um, so I'm not necessarily the youngest hippest. But I do have a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 10-year-old. Um, so I was able to ask them. I will tell you unequivocally, the 10-year-old, the 13-year-old, and the 14-year-old loved it. Thought the movie was phenomenal. They talked the entire ride home about it. They were all in. My 15, soon-to-be 16-year-old, on the other hand, said he thought it was average. But, again, he's a very hard person to please. Um, he, you really need to win him over. I thought the movie was phenomenal, but again, I go to it from a very fantastical perspective. I think he's too analytical and was going in there wanting to be disappointed and wasn't disappointed, but wasn't elated either. And so, you know, if you look at the way it ran across the lovely Kate loved the movie, I loved the movie. Um, she was moved to tears a couple of times in a couple of the different scenes in the movie. And she hasn't even seen all of the movies in the cinema universe. So that shows you right there. She kind of came in fresh pair of eyes 
and was able to check this out. So all in all, um, Marvel's Avengers Endgame uh, was a phenomenal movie. Please go out and see it. Support the Russo brothers. Support the Marvel franchise. Um, I thought it was a great one. My next podcast, as I said, will be a redo of episode eight. Um, It'll probably be episode 10 by then, because once I delete them and I can go to a next one, it's hard to, to go back. So also for the RSS feed, in order to get to iTunes, um, it's just a pain in the ass. So it, I'll, I'll make it at episode 10. It'll be called um, Guilty TV Pleasures and Hobbies. And I'll re-record it again. And hopefully this time my microphone will work and an hour's worth of talking will become an hour's worth of listening to you. Um, as a slight little bit of housekeeping here, I'd like to mention that this week we were, the Brain Droppings podcast was approved for iHeartRadio. So now you can find this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, uh, tune in. So if you have an Amazon enabled device, you just simply say, Alexa, play Brain Droppings podcast on tune in and Alexa will do that for you. Uh, and now on iHeartRadio. So if you listen on iHeartRadio, you can do it that way as well. The only one left is Google Podcasts or Google Play. Still working on trying to figure out how to do that. Uh, shouldn't be much more than a week or so from now, and I'll be able to announce that you catch us on Google as well. Uh, hope you enjoy listening. Like I said, the, this one, I feel like it was a little bit broken because I was trying to figure out how I wanted to present it while still trying to process the movie I saw. Um, I don't do a ton of reviews, so this won't be a norm. This is more of a one-off. I was just kind of excited to go see the movie tonight and then share what I saw with you. Uh, hope you enjoyed listening. I'm Joe Show. You're listening to Brain Droppings Podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for listening, and make sure to check us out. See you soon.